This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. I'm back, baby! I'm back! The boys are back in town! Turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. Classic. We are back. We are back. We are getting back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Have all four sidekicks ever been in the same place at the same time? Don't call us sidekicks. Not after today. I'm back in business, baby! Why let them tell us what to do? It's simple. Get on board or get out of the way. You just don't get it, do you? You went off mission. That was a huge mistake. Impulse? That's so crash! I'm back, baby! Why isn't anyone ever just whelmed? Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of Everyone Loves Young Justice Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Jay. I just want to stop the show right here. It's just good to hear your voice again, sir. Yours too. I mean, on the in conversation. I mean, I've been, yes. you know, listening to to you on on the Drake, and uh, we 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 uh, we talked with uh, Marcus Toe, but that was still more uh, kind of a roundtable thing. It it is nice just having a one on one conversation with you, Rob. Yes. So, in case I I think I even tweeted out we were talking off mic that I said, oh, it's been about a month. I think I even put that in the. <laughs> On the Twitter feed, and then I started looking back at the show. January 29th was the last episode that we released, and it was kind of our quote-unquote end-of-the-year type episode. And I think I even said in the episode, oh, we're getting back into some other stuff. And then, like, the world happened. Yeah. So in case you don't remember where to find us, we're on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We have a Facebook page, when I remember to use it. Gotta need to be better, Rob. <laughs> at Facebook.com slash ELYJ Pod. Uh, you can email into the show at ELYJ. I can't spell tonight. ELYJ Podcast at Yahoo.com. And if you listen on iTunes, leave a review. That'll help spread the word of the show, and we will read your reviews on the show. Like I said, I'm Rob. We've got Jay here, and. It's really funny to – I play just a little bit of episode 13 just to kind of see, like, what crazy stuff was I saying? 
Like, of course, we had no idea in January 29th what the world was going to look like. This episode is going to come out May. This is the last day of April. This is April 30th when this is being recorded. And who would have thought three months after we did that last episode? Ten years would have passed in those three months. (laughs) (laughs) I want to find the soundbite. Are you familiar with the movie Gross Point Blank? I've seen it, but I think I've seen it once, and uh, not to speak of its quality, I've, I've just seen it right. once, so I'm not remarkably familiar with it. There's a line where you know, John Cusack's character grad- graduates high school and goes off to the army, decides he's going to be a contract killer. So he hasn't seen anybody from his high school in 10 years for his 10-year class reunion, comes back, and he's sitting next to his best friend, and his best friend, out of the blue, cue sound clip... So you look good. You seem good. Thank you. You may have, uh... Ten years, man! Ten! Where have you been for ten years? I freaked out. Joined the army. Went into business for myself. I'm a professional killer. Oh, does that... Do you have to do postgraduate work for that, or can you can you jump right in? I'm curious about that. It's, not, it's an open market. Open market? Yeah. That's good. Wow. Ten years, man! Ten, ten years, ten years, ten, ten years, ten years. I freaked out. I joined the army. I worked for the government. I went into business with myself. I'm a professional killer. That's what I did. Okay. Well, can I join up? Yes. <laughs> Come on. In three months for us. Yeah. Just like everybody else, we've had this uh, wonderful global pandemic going on. And ironically, over on the Drake, we were covering Contagion. If that's not surreal enough, I don't know what is. Now, did you guys mean to, or was it just serendipitous that you happened to be upon that? storyline when everything dropped serendipitous of all the side roads and specials and one-offs and interviews the next chronological story was contagion (laughs) i could i could not have planned that if i tried i planned to do my laundry and the next thing i know hey two weeks ago by you have no underwear so (laughs) yeah that was that was totally by by a fluke and i felt a little i don't even think i even said it on the drake show but i'll say it here i felt a little awkward like should should we just skip this you know is it too on the nose and i think the first tweet that i was putting out for it i was using a quote that's on the back of the book if you have contagion it says there is no cure and i was gonna hit send and i'm like i can't i can't do that and i was leery about using the biohazard symbol but by the time we finished that three episode arc for the show we had the marcus toe interview snuck in there that we started seeing on dc universe one of the top like here's uh, comics that are trending contagion was the time we were recording right says contagion's the number one trending comic on the dc universe (laughs) at the moment well what's the uh the movie, the Soderbergh movie, wasn't that Contagion, Contagion as well? The one that like everybody started watching on Netflix. Yeah, and I actually used the theme song for a couple of the synopsis I would read. I usually find I have the, the Arkham video game soundtracks and Batman '89 and mm-hmm. all the 
Batman soundtracks I have, I'll just slip under as I'm reading the synopsis. And for three of them, I put music from the Contagion soundtrack under there. And it was really kind of eerie. And I was going through my DVDs of movies that I was going to take. We have a a used bookstore. I can't believe I'm forgetting what the name of the books is. We have half-price books down here. That's what it is, half-price books. Good gravy. Um, I've got some really good deals. I got, a little side note, the Sinestro War Absolute and Final Crisis Absolute for 20 bucks each, if you can believe that, from half-price books. Very cool. Yeah, I've gotten some good stuff from from there before. (laughs) I love going there. But... uh, Every once in a while, I'll go through my DVD collection and go, all right, I haven't watched this in a long time, or I've got the digital code. You know, as much as I'm a purist, I want to keep all my, you know, physical right. copies. I'm like, I haven't watched this movie in five years, why I'm, or 10 years, I'm still, why am I keeping it? So yeah. one of the ones I threw in there was Contagion. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to watch this again. And that was months ago, probably around January, ironically enough. Huh. And then all this happened. So I started going through, like, what was I going to giveaway like what's this box of dvds i'd forgotten about it <laughs> and there's contagion sitting on top and i'm like yeah i think i'll watch that again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've actually not seen that movie I it's actually get on that <laughs> it's i we thought my wife and i thought it was a really good movie uh when we had watched it and then rewatching it again now with you know it's like what we were saying we're gonna turn this into a slash drake and a global pandemic podcast <laughs> but it was one of those that when we were discussing contagion or contagion, yeah, contagion on, on both fronts, that it was like, it was weird in 96 reading it. Like I, there's, there's no context. Like, and even the sound clip I had of Chuck Dixon saying, how is Batman going to fight a disease? He can't punch it. You know, he was kind of half making a joke of it back in 96. I'm like, this does seem like silly was the wrong word, but you just couldn't grasp. Like you could grasp the idea. Oh, there's a bomb in the room and Batman's got to disarm it. How does he disarm you know something that's not tangible something that's not tangible and then fast forward to 2020 and now we're dealing with something that's not tangible like saturday here in ohio is supposed to be 71 degrees supposed to be a beautiful day and it's not like hey let's go to cedar point or let's go to six flags you know just uh staring out your window at that beautiful day (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so what have you been doing in the interim before we get into our featured issues we're going to talk about how is your your daily life altered or what's what things are you doing to keep yourself amused while this is going on well i am i mean i i would say fortunate enough like i know that uh, i'm able with my day job to work from home which going into everything that's you know been going on for the past couple <laughs> of months was kind of a yeah your department will eventually be able to to work from home. You know, we're working things out, but uh, pieces aren't falling into place to almost literally overnight. Hey, uh, take your laptops home and um, you might not come back to the office for at least a month now. So they, <laughs> they kind of fast-tracked getting us uh, set up to where we could be able to work from home. So I have been working 
from home for for the past you know four or five weeks, however long it's been. That's good. Uh, my wife also has the ability to work from home and has for a long time now. She still goes into the office every now and then, or did until everything, the whole pandemic arose and everything. So we've both been working from home. And my son was actually on spring break the week before they uh, closed schools. So at first, it just seemed like he was going to have a longer spring break. And uh, <laughs> now he hasn't been to school since the the middle of March. I've been working throughout the day, just at home. I get to, uh, I work in a kind of a chat and email kind of customer response thing. So I don't have to, so it's customer facing, but I don't like talk to people like vocally. So I've been, I've been watching a lot of stuff on, (laughs) on my iPad. Let's see earlier this year, I actually started watching through all of these Simpsons seasons that were on Disney plus. Like I watched the first 10 and then watched a bunch of other stuff. And then I watched the next 10 and watched a bunch of other stuff. Um, Lord. Yeah, I know a couple weeks ago I started the last well, okay, the most recent 10 seasons that are on Disney Plus. <laughs> Got through those, and then I caught all the way up with it on Hulu, uh, just because I was like, you know, I loved the show when I was growing up, and I've got time now, so why not watch that? I've watched a lot of movies. Me and a a buddy, uh, Andrew, who is, I call him our beloved and handsome comic chief. He's the guy who put together the review team over at Batman News, where Mm. um, I'm not doing as much work over there anymore now. I mostly focus on uh, my site and uh, show comics now, but I mean, I left on good terms and I still keep in contact with people there and have posted a couple of uh, things there, but he's the guy who started the comics uh, section there and put together the whole review team, which was how I just kind of, there's a direct line from him starting the review team to you and me talking right now about Young Justice and uh, things <laughs> like that on a podcast. So uh, uh, thankful to him for putting all that together and being an inspiration to start doing that kind of stuff. He and I will like text back and forth. We've watched a couple of movies, quote unquote, together. Like, hey, let's watch uh, like a couple of weeks ago, we watched the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man and we mm. watched Batman 89 last week. And, you know, just a couple, a couple of things like that. So I've been watching a lot of, a lot of movies, a lot of, uh, TV shows in between doing that and, uh, reading comics for leisure now, because there aren't as many books coming out each right. week, being able to catch up. I actually started thanks to Michael Bailey. And I can't remember his uh, guest, his most recent episode of the Superman show. They covered a uh, Superman and Shazam, uh, Shazam. Marvel. A- yeah. 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 I, I read it and I, I completely agree with them on how some of the women were illustrated in there, but the story itself was pretty good. And because of that, I decided to go and read Day of Vengeance, which I'd never read. Oh, I wow. actually I read some of Shadow Pact when it came out, and I really liked that book, but I never actually read the book leading up to it. So I started I've uh, I'm on like issue 5 of that. I put a pin in it so I could, you know, refresh myself on the uh the book that we'll eventually get to talking about here. Read that, been reading that, and might start Shadow Pact again after that. And uh, I've just been doing just a couple of different features over on uh, on comics now. And uh, 
We also bought a Switch a couple weeks before the pandemic started, Mm, and my mother-in-law bought quote-unquote our son the uh lego harry potter collection and so i've been playing that and really enjoying that too (laughs) yeah that's pretty much what i've been doing is working watching tv and playing video games and reading comics so nice like my i think i've said it on the drake but a quick uh, little capsule case somebody's not listening to the other show is like my world has not changed i've been going to the same job going to work for a distribution center, still working with 300 plus people that I've always worked with. Right. And we just found out if everything goes according to plan, we found out today at the end of the shift that we will all be required to wear masks starting Monday. So in the last couple of weeks, I started wearing, I, I'm lucky enough that I've got a job. I have essentially a desk job that the woman on the other side of me, there's probably... It's not six feet, but it might as well be if you count the desk, the gap between the two computers. The desks are kind of sandwiched together, but there's a file cabinet in between them just normally. Mm -hmm. So once I can get through the guard shack and maneuver my way through the building, I've been taking my mask off because I don't come into contact with a lot of people. Everybody's been pretty respectful of everybody's space. If I've got to reprint labels for somebody or give them something, I set it on a desk that's just almost beyond my reach, and then they pick it up and go on their way. So one thing my wife and I have been talking about, she's been now working from home till the foreseeable future whenever they let them back. Her office, only her boss and one other person are in that everybody else is told, don't come in. So everybody else is working remotely. But we're finding it that it's so weird. It's we're more tired now than what yeah. we were before. I don't know if it's just the added stress that you're putting on yourself and just you feel like you're having to be a ninja, you know, yeah. darting around people and, you know, having that unspoken rule like, okay, I'm walking over here, you're walking over there. Uh we've been doing curbside groceries for a solid month now. Now yeah. that uh, you know, without we took advantage of Walmart's thing and it's it's a funny game of like oh they didn't have you know a gallon of milk all right well maybe did you get me two gallons of half <laughs> half milk yeah, no yeah. or they substitute this for something greater or you know I wanted a twelve pack of uh, diet cherry Pepsi they didn't have that in cans so I got six two liters <laughs> <laughs> just like oh all right okay. I, <laughs> it is cherry Pepsi it's yeah, not like yeah, they gave yeah. me a bucket of lard. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. But I I, I totally get that, though, because, I mean, I'm sitting at a computer pretty much all day. Sometimes I even have to force myself to get up just to get moving and not just be sedentary Mm -hmm. all that time because then my back will start hurting because I'm getting old (laughs) and, you know, all this. So, I mean, there is something to that, that even though things you know, you're not being as active any longer. That still just makes you tired because you're you're not doing anything else. You know, right. so so I I definitely get where you're coming from. My wife and I have commented on that. That it's like you know I didn't do anything today except sit at a computer all day, but I'm still exhausted. And um, so we yeah. we we've actually tried to you know take walks throughout the week, like just around the neighborhood, just to get some fresh air, to get everybody out of the house. So you know, cabin fever can kind of be 
placated and everything and just to to get moving and get the blood flowing and you know actually get some exercise but uh, I to- I totally get what you mean because <laughs> I'm I'm tired and I like I said last night I was like I'm just uh we were while we were texting I was like you know I totally get it you know it's not like workloads are okay well i say that they've actually had us working more overtime um same kind of, here kind of a voluntary thing in my role yep. more because i work in kind of a technical support role but yeah i mean it's totally yeah i'm just you know just kind of fried and burnt out it's like even though i can't go anywhere i still feel like i need a day off you know yeah, when the, i, th- when the I weekend think comes. that's that's the probably the stressor of it like it's it's not like Today's the end of my work, you know, four tens, Monday to Monday through Thursday. And then my wife would work, you know, works Friday. And then once the weekend's here, it's like, oh, let's go out and do something. It's been a stressful week or let's go do something. Normally you would get to do that and, you know, shake the cobwebs off and the dust off. And you're like, all right, I'm re-energized for the next week. It's just like we're in this vicious circle and being working as an essential employee. Now there's this drive of like, we got to make sure that the stores are loaded. So people that have to get those things, water and toilet paper, and you know, all of that stuff or the people that are home that are like for home, home improvement warehouse. And they're uh, like, well, I'm home for a month. I've always wanted to repaint the bathroom. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess this is, you know, it's, it's that type of stuff. So Again, I, I don't know how, how much you've shared in the past, uh, but I went to one of – I had to pick up something a couple weeks ago. I'll so, say right now, I've said before, uh, okay. don't go to Home Depot. Maybe go to Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to want to say it if you were – No, no. I've, but, I've said it many times on the – Well, I went to um, like a Sprouts, a farmer's market a couple weeks ago to pick up a couple of – like some uh, fruit and stuff for us to have for some meals that we were going to make and a couple of other things for something that I wanted to make for dinner. And there's a Home Depot right next to it. And I was like, okay, I need, I need to go and get like a stud finder or something like that. I mean, it was something really simple. So Home Depot and not – I know it's not your decision and not to deride Lowe's either, but Home Depot is doing it the way that, you know, is suggested and not mandated, but highly suggested, you know, only allow certain numbers of people in the stores at a time, have, you know, at least six feet between people and things like that. So they were having it very ordered and organized and everything, but the line was stretching from one of their entryways to where they would actually let you in to, cause like most home depots look the pretty much the same. You yeah. have like three different areas that you can enter into. Well, they had the one to the furthest right is where you could actually go into the line was stretched to halfway into quote unquote, the middle entryways. So that's a good, you know, 150 feet between oh, the two. Easily. And I mean, it didn't look like it had any signs of speeding up anytime soon. And I was like, well, I only need a stud finder. I don't need to wait in line for like two hours to buy it for, <laughs> right. for something that, I mean, it's not even, it, it, it was more of a, I'll get it because I have somewhere else to go. And that's right next door. Not, you know, I need to get this for this project that I'm working on right now. Right. Uh, after I got the stuff from Sprouts, because I left Home Depot and I was like, it's not worth it. Went to Sprouts and then went to Lowe's. And it was like, that a boy. <laughs> nothing had 
changed or anything. I mean, people, they had spots, uh, spots, <laughs> spots marked on the ground to stand, you know, to wait for a register to open. But I mean, it was almost a free for all. So I was able to go in, got the stud finder and some laundry detergent because apparently you guys sell laundry detergent, which yes. was another thing I needed. So Yes, we do. Um, I think as yeah. far as our CEO, not to get the ins and outs of how Lowe's is operating, I think they've been trying to, we're playing a little bit more catch up, at least as far as our Lowe's here in Ohio, it is now a hundred, is it a hundred people? I think, cause I haven't been out into the stores but they're only allowing so many people to go through one entrance now. So I don't know if that's changed since you went, but I believe if I read everything right, that should all be across the board. But each states are governing themselves differently. I, I, yeah. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Yeah, I live in Texas, which is one of the most lenient states about this. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. There you go. Well, if I can do a segue with our pandemic wouldn't you feel like we're trapped in some of some weird multiverse like it's kind of like the earth that we used to know but it's a little different than the earth we used to know i would agree with that no no <laughs> I, I was trying to come up with something clever to say too but and i, I, I and i didn't think of anything <laughs> I, I lob up a softball and i hit myself in the head i, I so, feel like now we are living in a multiverse of pocket universes where we have our yeah. own little kind of almost segregated small bubble universes that we're living in that's part of a larger multiverse of other people that we are aware exist but you know we can't prove it other than you know by zoom or cast sessions here <laughs> right <laughs> So this is uh, the title of the episode. We're almost a half hour into it. But hey, this is all about the community. We're in this together. At least yes. that's what our state is saying. Yes. So this is, I don't know if I'm going to call the episode this, but I kind of liked it. This is the Bendis dump. Now, this isn't necessarily saying that we are dumping our coverage of Bendis. We're not doing it anymore, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but... It has been since January since we recorded, and it has been a little bit since episode 13 was our Young Justice animated commentary track. 12 was the actual last comic episode we did, so we stopped the 2019, now actually the 2020 Young Justice book, and they were still trapped in the multiverse. <laughs> So for this one, we're calling it the Bendis Dump because we are going to dump all of our comics out from the last three, almost four months that we have not covered. So we are going to look at issue 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and for good measure, we're going to throw in action comics 1020 and 1021. Now, this could be two episodes. This could be nine episodes. So <laughs> we're going to take a quick break right here. We're going to play a couple promos. And when we come back, Jay and I will dig out these comic books. And we will also reach out to some of your comments about the yeah. Young Justice comics that have come out since the last time we recorded. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> I hope he's home.
Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah, I know. And modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes. Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. On Views from the Long Box. And continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast. secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't... You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. 
available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! Yesterday, it was you and me. How did it slip away? You are a part of me. You live in the heart of me. I never stopped loving you. And so I'm coming back so I can love you the way I used to love you. All right, the cover credits for issues 10, 11, and 12 read as follows, and it's basically the same for all three issues. The writer is Brian Michael Bendis. The artist is John Timms with Nick Derrickton doing some art. The colorist is Gabe L. Tabe. The letterist is Wes Abbott. The cover artist for the main covers is John Timms with there are some variant covers in there, which Jay and I will talk about. And the editor is Mike Cotton. And now the synopsis for issues 10, 11, and 12. In the overview of issue 10, we get the caption that reads, Robin Superboy, Impulse, Wonder Girl, and Jenny Hex, Amethyst, and Teen Lantern have come together just in time to save the magical land of Gemworld from the out-of-control dark powers of Opal. Young Justice have many questions as to where the team has been and how they even remember each other. And more importantly, they are eager to try and find their way home. The courts of Gemworld, fearful of Amethyst's constant interference, banish the young heroes to the uncharted multi Multiverse with no way home. Issue 10, we get the backstory of Jenny Hex in between having relationship issues and stopping a robbery in a bowling alley. Later, she talks to her mother about her past and finding out that she is the great-great-granddaughter of the Western hero called Jonah Hex. Her mother gives her Jonah's chest, full of goodies that we will later find. Flash forward is somewhere in the multiverse on Earth 3, and our heroes are almost down for the count when Impulse, Batwoman, a.k.a. Stephanie Brown of Earth 3, and the Drake show up from Stephanie's Batcave with the information for them to be able to get home. Back in Jenny's past, for the readers, we finally see what's inside of the chest that Jenny has been toting around the multiverse. With the conversation from her mother continues, and the artifacts from all over the universe that Jonah Hex had collected as his time as a crime fighter. Back on Earth 3, we see some of the artifacts that are actually being put into the use, such as the Adam's belt that Jenny is able to grow ten times the size of her normal self and helps ward out the evil young Justice counterparts. 
With the help of Batwoman, a.k.a. Stephanie Brown of Earth-3, they are finally able to return to their Earth. Issue 11, we are finally introduced to Naomi joining the team. But before she does that, she is confronted by Dr. Glory. Remember her banishing Superboy way back in issue one to Gem World? Naomi is still learning about her powers, and there's still some things she's not even sure she can do or how she can do it. Of course, Dr. Glory wants to exploit all of that. The Young Justice team finally arrives after their long trip around the multiverse, and they finally get a good night's rest back on their Earth. After Naomi passes out from using some of her powers again for the very first time, Naomi's mother allows Young Justice team to stay for the night as they have nowhere to go at that particular moment. Tim is trying to contact his Stephanie Brown as he has not seen her for quite some time. And Superboy is still anxious about what's going on and why there has been no contact with the Justice League. And more importantly, where is Superman? Connor Kent goes on a mission to look for Superman and heads back to where everything went wrong for him. Back to Star Labs. And of course, Dr. Glory. During his conversation with Dr. Glory, she double-crosses him again and zaps him again to another dimension because he's going to spill the beans about what Dr. Glory is really doing with Star Labs, and especially to him. The team soon realizes that Connor has not yet returned, and they go off to track Connor Kent's last whereabouts, and they decide to go speak to Dr. Glory, whom Naomi has been talking to, but the team does not realize that they are walking right into a trap. Issue 12. The team breaks off into smaller units, with Teen Lantern and Wonder Girl heading to the Hall of Justice to see if they can get into contact with any of the Justice League members. And while they are doing so, they come into contact with Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins. Meanwhile, Superboy finds himself transported to another part of the multiverse, Skitaris, home of the Warlord, and has to go through the whole process of being split away from the world that he once knew, while also fighting alongside the Warlord and punching some dinosaurs, which, let's face it, is kind of cool. And also getting advice from the old man himself, while Drake, Jenny Hex, and Amethyst and Naomi are waiting back to hear from Dr. Glory. When another team shows up, the Dial H for Heroes team. The phone brought them there, and with a dial of a button, they can have any hero ready for action. The Drake realizes that now with the Dial H for Heroes in tow, they can go off and head to save their friend Connor Kent, and again bring him home. Next issue, Wonder Comics, activate. Ah, we were gone about as long as our break was. So, <laughs> Wonder Comics. We're going to be looking at them in chunks. So, 10, 11, and 12 are, is going to be our first little arc, if you will. Um, I do want to look at the covers of each of these. I do have the variant covers behind me. If you want to check them out, you can find the variant covers there as well. But we'll look at the primary covers here. And like a sucker, I was still buying them because, you know, it, it's me and I... I buy them, especially when Tim's involved. This was... 10 was the issue that a lot of us got to see what Tim's new costume was going to be for the first time. Now, granted, it was all in just... Not even grayscale. It was just line art. So we couldn't tell what color it was and, and all that stuff. So it was solicited. We finally got to see what it is. But actually holding it in our hands, it's very typical of what the covers have been traditionally for Young Justice. A lot of characters all put in different poses and they're running on top of each other, behind each other, upside down and different things. It does have Naomi right front and center 
which I didn't know if like this was a crossover initially or they are officially adding her to the team. So now that four months has essentially gone by, I think it's a foregone conclusion that she is a 100% member of the team. Are you, are you on the same wavelength, I guess? Yeah, that's definitely the feeling that I get and kind of the vibe that I get from it, which, uh, I mean, you know, speaking broadly, I actually kind of like that, especially with some of the other team members that join later on in the next quote unquote mini arc that we're going to cover. I kind of like the idea of having a, with, with any, any superhero team really, with anything, having kind of the core members that are always going to be there. Like with the Justice League, you're always going to have, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, they're always going to be there. And then maybe like a Green Lantern, a Flash, and, uh, you know, Aquaman or Mera or somebody. But then having other characters that are either maybe, I don't know if wild card's the right word to use, because uh, I always like to think of Martian Manhunter as an integral part of the Justice League. But mm-hmm. not every writer <laughs> writes Justice League <laughs> tends to think that way. But like a character like that, that maybe isn't as big as a solo character, but still works really well in a team capacity. I like that. So having, and then having just like rotating members, like, Hey, we're going on this mission and, uh, you know, Hawkman would be, you know, a good benefit to have here or, uh, Hey, let's bring in Animal Man and Swamp Thing because, you know, they're really familiar with this and, you know, they can they can help us out with what's going on here. And, you know, that kind of thing where it's not just the the same member kind of taking the Justice League unlimited approach with the cartoon where it's like it's yes. more the team was made up of characters who were used by necessity rather than, you know, just having, you know, the same the same core several that are, that are just there all the time that keeps things fresh lets it lets some characters not be overexposed gives exposure to some characters that are underexposed and you know just makes it really interesting with different team dynamics so i'm sure when bendis created naomi it was at least in part to get her on a team like young justice but I like that. I, she's a cool character, and uh, I, I like that even though she, you know, barely appears in this issue. Right. Um, I do. I do think that she's a good fit for the team, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited that she gets to uh, officially join. It also kind of reminds me. I think it was called Justice League. Unless it was Justice League of America. I uh, forget the year. Uh, Two thousand eleven, twelve. I think there was. I had it on the Xbox, the the original Xbox, mm-hmm. where you were playing the story, and as it went, you got a loadout screen of all right. You get three heroes to pick, and then how how you how are you going to you know play the story out? So right. it's kind of like what you're saying, like all right, I mean, we need you know Superboy, Naomi, and Impulse, and Wonder Girl. Bam, there's your you know, story for this mini arc, and then maybe the alternating arc could be, you know, whoever else. So I I like a bigger team, although sometimes the other side of me goes, don't let it get too big, because then we never really get to see a lot of any one character. You know, it just becomes like, wow, we haven't seen, you know, Hawkman or Martian Manhunter in 12 issues. I don't want it to get to be like that either. 
And then the cover for 11 is this one. It looks better online than I think in my hand. And maybe it's it's this way too, but it looks really faded and it's probably done that way on purpose that Wonder Girl and Naomi are they're normally colored, but as you get farther up the book of uh, Ginny and Drake and Impulse, they're a little more faded and then you get up right before the Young Justice logo of Teen Lantern, Superboy and Amethyst, they're a little more faded. Is that is it that way on yours or on your digital copy? Yes, everybody in the background on <laughs> the cover for issue 11 uh, is kind of washed out. I think it is supposed to be just kind of a focal point for Naomi, who's the breakout star now, and then Wonder Girl, who's kind of the heavy hitter there. So I think, you know, that's that. Yes, that's that's how it looks digitally. And I'm going to stop talking so you can go on to the next one <laughs> to save and some then, face here. <laughs> yeah. And, and then 12 is, uh, I would say, more of a same of the first one. Just, you know, the, the hero pose of everybody fighting, but getting to see Zan and Jaina on the front cover comic since God knows when, you know, yeah. other than, you know, their own series, but seeing them in a group shot like this. And I really feel like Amethyst's costume kind of evolves she has more line work this this almost looks completely purple other than a few spots at least as far as the cover goes and yeah, we'll get into costuming and stuff like that once we talk sure. about the issues yeah and there's there's really not a good look a good enough look at her on the co- on the other two covers to say that it's like a progression or inconsistency or anything the variants for these and I don't have the art I haven't opened them up. They're still on the bag and board. Uh, who did the uh, variant four ten? If you have that variant cover is from Nick Bradshaw and Alex Sinclair. So these the variants were really interesting as these were going because a lot of us know that comics are solicited out a little bit farther. So it was interesting to have the main cover with Tim in his Drake costume and then. On 10, Tim is in his Robin costume. So I, that was part of the reason why, you know, A, I'm a sucker for Tim Drake, but it was like, hey, I still got a few more issues, kind of, sort of, with Tim in his uh, Robin costume. I actually kind of like this cover. Um, I don't know if I like it more than the the primary 10, but this was actually kind of a cool cover. And a little gag that I just realized is here, and I've had this for months now, that Bart is coming in from the left of the page. And if you look down at the bottom of the right, you can see his foot. Yeah. So he has it effectively like run around the cover and come back into frame again, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. The other- um, what, well, one thing I was going to say is it's uh, Bradshaw Sinclair did the variants for all three of these. So we mm. don't need to go go, you know, into, hey, who did it for all of them? So there you go. Right. Nick Bradshaw, Alex Sinclair did the variants for 10, 11, and 12. I thought that maybe just the staging of 10 almost made it look like it was supposed to be kind of like a triptych cover where you kind of mm. put, you know, the variants together and you have like an action scene that flows like together. And then, you know, you have Bart's foot here off to the right that would connect to the rest of his leg on the variant for issue 11 and then leading into 12. But that's, it's not the case, which is kind of a missed opportunity. Cause that would have been yeah. kind of fun. <laughs> that would have been really cool. I liked Teen Lantern uh, in her 
Gundam. Construct. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very cool. Then Eleven's cover. I really, really like this cover. It's a really nice shot of Wonder Girl, or Wonder Girl, excuse me, Naomi. Naomi. Up front and center again, we've got Tim in his Robin costume. Superboy looks great. I think they all look really, really good on this cover. I, I, I dig this one quite a bit. Yeah, the uh, the thing that I wouldn't even say necessarily dislike it, but that kind of stands out with a 10 is some of the characters have some, like re- look really cool. Like I like how the Young Justice logo kind of looks like the classic logo from the 90s series just the solid coloring on it where it's uh you know the uniform coloring versus uh the mm-hmm. uh yellow and red on um the 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 book normally it makes it look like the uh, 90s logo but i like yeah, how uh i like how connor's holding up you know a, a slab of of uh you know concrete there with the logo on there so you know there's that fun little kind of interactive element and then you know teen lanterns you know big construct looks really cool and like tim's pose is cool but he's you know tucked away in the background but if you look at jenny hex and naomi especially it almost looks like john ramita junior drew their faces <laughs> Yeah, those, those are totally Ramita faces, and that, I don't mean that necessarily as a slight or anything. It's just Nick Bradshaw has a very, you know, he has a very distinct style that is nothing like Ramita's. So <laughs> it's just kind of strange that it would look that close to somebody else's work. But uh, yeah, yeah. And Elevens, uh, I really like that cover. Naomi looks great on it. Again, we've got Tim. As Robin for the last time, effectively, I, I believe, yeah. on this cover. So if you want to know where's Tim's last appearance as Robin, technically it's this cover, variant cover yeah. for 11. But they all look really good. Naomi looks just fantastic yeah. on this. this. This this is a very well-staged cover. I like yeah. how, like the one before, issue 10, for the most part, it's kind of the same problem that a lot of the early variant covers in the series had is, you know, maybe they had a cool idea for three different covers, so they just kind of pasted everything together to make one shot of three or four different characters in cool poses, but they don't really, you know, work together. Like they, they look like they were meant for three different, you know, images. This, you know, you have Jenny Hex kind of jumping back and firing her gun, which leads your eye to Bart as he's running. And then, you know, Tim's just kind of a strong figure anchoring things at the bottom. I just now noticed uh, his right arm uh, is uh, held up there. So that makes it even more dynamic. And then mm. kind of to match it, it's it's almost like a whether it was intentional or not, his and Connor's poses almost uh, remind me of like a playing card. You know, either way you look at it, you know, the, the Jack or the King or the queen is going to be, you know, in the same position, no matter how you look at the card. So I kind of like that, that mirrored image there between them and Cassie. It's funny because Cassie and Amethyst are both, decidedly behind Naomi and yeah. Teen Lantern, Teen Lantern all uh, is kind of 
not necessarily by herself is a different case because she's doing something that's going to draw your eye to her. She has her, you know, fist raised with the, uh, uh, energy blast coming out of it. So you're going to look at that because, uh, there's some definite action drawing your eye there, but Cassie and Amethyst are behind Naomi. They're not really doing anything that is going to draw your attention, but they still don't look like an afterthought. They, they, they still, are they stand out well enough that they don't just bleed into the background. So yeah, I completely agree. This is a great cover. I mean, it's honestly better than the three main covers for oh, totally 10, 11 and 12. This is the best cover of the lot. Yeah. Hands down. So if you were just picking up one, I might've probably definitely gone with just this one. Cause it, I think it encapsulates so much yeah. of what I like about just the the team in general, and yeah, then we definitely. get to the last cover of this little mini arc that we're calling arc here for <laughs> twelve, and I I don't know what to say about it. It's literally everybody on top of themselves in in every crazy pose that they can be. And is Dial H in this? Think they so. are not. not. That'd be the next, yeah. Next yeah, person. yeah, yeah. You've got Connor and Cassie at the bottom, Zan and Jaina, and Amethyst, and Teen Lantern. You can barely and, see Amethyst. Yeah. I mean, the the reason that she even stands out is because her sword's there. Right. And uh, kind of draws attention to her. But then you've got Bart at the top, and then Gleek, and uh, Ginny Hex, and... You may notice I did not mention somebody because anytime – I mean I just pulled this cover up a few minutes ago. But every time I've looked at it, I've had to search for Tim because that costume and will rail on it, I'm sure, when we talk about the – that costume is just so bland and nondescript that – it he doesn't it's easy stick to lose. Out. Yeah, yeah. He he gets lost in the image, and, and we've mentioned it before. It's like there's so much going on with it. It's so busy, but there is no like unifying theme either. So it's like he's got the you know three different colors around his knees with uh like the dark brown and then the yellow and then the light brown at his knees with the knee pads and then you know with the the rest of his uh leggings and then his arms are you know that dark brown blackish color with you know the yellow and some arrows and everything and even that there's so much going on with it but nothing nothing flows nothing's unified nothing actually makes you want to see it and nothing <laughs> makes it stand out like i know i know i'm i mean Bart's costume is, you know, fun enough as it is and has has that kind of inviting look with the the bright red and the white. So he's going to stand out anyway. But anytime I look at Tim, my eye automatically goes to Bart because it's just much more interesting <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> Poor Tim. Yes. But so, hey, Gleek's right there, so that's nice. That's, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it sad that my favorite character being Tim and a Robin that everybody likes that my eye goes to Gleek and Bart and not Tim. Yeah, I know. And I mean, same with me. I mean, Tim is my favorite Robin and one of my favorite characters, period. So the fact that I can and feel the need to have to say, you know, these things <laughs> is is out of love and frustration. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So Ten's biggest thing is that we are still trapped on Earth 3. This opens with getting more of the backstory of Jenny. And I like the characterization that uh, they were using for Jenny. But I also felt it was a little... It was a little clunky. Like, we don't... It's not like the Teen Lantern one, where I felt we came out of the Teen Lantern's issue going, wow, I, I really like this character. I can feel where she's coming from. I don't quite get that. I think the idea was there, other than her finding out about this chest that's been passed through the family and her mother going to give it to her, and it's got all these things in it. She's finding out she's the great-great-granddaughter of Jonah Hex. I don't know if it lands as well as what Teen Lanterns did. No, and I mean, that that's exactly how I felt. I feel like... Bendis's writing in this part, the the Ginny Hex flashback, is more confident than it is with the rest of the stuff with the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because Ginny Hex is Bendis's character. He created her, so he's, you know, more comfortable with that voice or what. But even then I wasn't as engaged with her backstory as as I was with Teen Lantern, like you said. What does help is i love nick darrington's art yeah but this also makes me wish that i was reading batman universe instead because you know (laughs) did you read that yes i did yep yeah i i I read it as the walmart 100 oh nice yeah so i mean i loved that i mean i thought that bendis's uh writing on that was great his dialogue was you know snappy and fun and i mean i loved 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 darrington's style with that i really like the visuals here there's some really cool stuff like the when she foils the uh the robbery at the at the bowling alley that's a really really dynamic action scene like you can feel that punch when she takes the guy's shotgun and punches him in the face Mm -hmm. and i mean it's just very good visual storytelling it's just i'm not i was more interested in what was in the chest that Ginny's mom gave to her than I was about Ginny as a character, which is weird because she's been one yeah. of the characters that I've liked the most in this series. So it, it, it's just kind of weird that it, that it didn't totally work for me. Yeah. And maybe it's one of those that it had such a, I don't the lack of a better word here, you know, Nine nine thirty, my time. Coming off Stellar is the only word that come to my head. Coming off such a good Green Lantern or Teen Lantern origin that I was like, all right, you know, we're we're going to get something for Jenny. This is where Bendis can really, like you said, this is his character he created, and it's another one of those. And like you said, I was more concerned of like what's in the box. You know, I felt like I was in seven and going, what's in the box? You know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like maybe it also might be, you know, a little too late. Like if Ginny's story had come a little bit earlier, like an issue or two before, Mm. it would have held uh, uh, held my attention a little bit more. But at this point, it's just like, okay, they're still trapped in the multiverse. They're still on this alternate Earth. They're still fighting these guys. And we also need to find out more about Jenny, but specifically what is the mystery of what's in this box. It's like, let's just get everything over with. And again, I hate to say that because I loved the visuals of that side story, but 
like the main story, it just felt kind of uh, not even treading water. Like it almost just felt like it was uh, it was done out of necessity than it was to actually satisfy on a storytelling level. Yeah, and I I feel like and the dump in the title is not trying to dump all over the the issues and everything, but I I feel like and we're probably going to say this for a good chunk of these books, I feel like we are kind of, if we're not spinning our wheels, I feel like we're in a European vacation where it's like, Hey kids, look, big Ben parliament. (laughs) And we're just, we're going around and round. Or if you've seen the movie speed where they've got to take the bus to the airport so they can drive around. We're, we're, we're driving by the sites without actually stopping to appreciate them. There's the largest ball of string. You oh, know. great. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and I mean, since we're kind of covering these three issues together, I'll tell you what, I'll just go ahead and say what my main problem with this stretch of okay. the book is, is it doesn't feel like we moved forward at all because no. No. issue, issue, issue 12 ends with, pretty much where we started the entire series at with Connor lost on an alternate earth and the team having uh, to go out and find him. I, I, I reread them again last night getting ready and twice now I've, I've read these and my reaction twice has been, we literally just did this. Yes. Like I remember seeing the solicitations for, I keep wanting to call it war world. Um, <laughs> Warlord is Lord. the Scrotaris, I think. Skrtaris, yeah, yeah, yeah. For thirteen and going, how does Connor end up there? How does how does Young Justice like? Oh, he must come to Earth. No, we're we're going back to another. Like you said initially, like you know, we're, we're still on Earth three. The the word I'm wanting to say is still. We are. still still doing this now granted to no fault but i'm going to blame it on the our own contagion going on (laughs) that there has been a a three-month gap between recording this but in three months we are still stuck in some form of a multiverse and they've literally been home for 30 seconds i feel like uh, there was a cartoon I watched where they did uh, Dungeons and Dragons, where they spent all this time trying to get back home, and they're home for thirty seconds, and they realize we've got to go back into into this world. I I've been enjoying the ride. I would say up to this point, not that I'm ready to jump off and we're going to cancel the podcast or <laughs> stri- strictly stay into 1998 and never leave. But I'm like, I I don't want to go on another multiverse trotting especially when tim is back and he's texting stephanie wanting to see her i'm like all right i want to see the two of them get together i want some private moments between the two i said it on a drake episode where terrence made the comment of like are tim's parents still alive are they in witness protection yeah 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 did did james you know when he brought back the old continuity for Tim, does that mean okay? There's only one parent for Tim. You know what's his relationship look like with Stephanie? And in the '90s, like the Young Justice book didn't have to spend a lot of time dealing with Tim's family or where Connor came from, or he, that was put in there. You got some stuff with what you know Bart was doing and what Connor was doing, but. 
the relationship stuff was happening in their own books. Exactly. This is the, this is the only book for any of those for any of these characters. So I want to see some relationship stuff built in with these characters, but we can't do it if we're spending all of this time trying to bring the team back home. It's like this is quantum leap is what we have. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly it. And uh, yeah, to your point, it's like the the '90s book. I mean, that was what I was exactly going to say. So I'm just going to reinforce your point that there wasn't as much mention of you know Jack Drake or you know Superboy and you know Double X and everybody in Hawaii or Bart and Max Mercury and uh, you know all those characters because they had their own books where they could go on their own solo adventures and they had their own supporting cast. And then the young justice book is just, Hey, let's bring them together and let them have fun together and have a good time reading about them. While we also have other outlets, we could read them. There is not a single other book that has Connor Kent that has Bart Allen that has Tim Drake that has Cassie Sandsmark that has, any of these other characters, the only character on the team's roster who has their own book is Naomi. And right. she's the newest character. And I mean, her book even is kind of on a mid season hiatus or something like that. I uh, mm. like the first arc wrapped up and, you know, they're going to launch a second one soon, but she is the only character that has their own solo title going. Well, okay. Amethyst has a uh, mini series going on now as well. Right. But, right. but I mean, even then it's, it's like we, we're reading this book because we like these characters and we're sticking with this book because we like these characters. But I right. almost, I almost feel like you've said a million times about sticking with, you know, Teen Titans in the new 52 is out of necessity. <laughs> that is the only right. way you were getting, you know, your Drake fix. It's the same here. It's like I'm doing this because if I don't read this, then I'm not getting them anywhere else. And if I don't read this and enough people don't read this, they're going to cancel this and they might learn the wrong idea in canceling it, which the wrong lesson would be people don't care about these characters, which is the exact opposite. (laughs) It's just we want good stories with these characters. And I'm not wanting to throw shade and poo on somebody's work but i feel like the best parts of these books are are the covers and the pages not the words like it's the you know talking about driving around and seeing you know hey there's the big ball of string going on yeah the big ball of string looks so cool as it's going by these covers look so cool oh that's superboy oh that's tim drake oh that's you know a teen lantern it makes me want to open up the book. It makes me want to read it. And then reading the book, I'm like, you're, you're just showing me the same stuff over and over again. And you're not, you're not taking me anywhere. And these characters don't have a life outside of this book. And the only life that they have is trying to get out of jail. Yeah. And honest, honestly, I mean, and th- again, this is not anything about the art itself because I actually, I really like John Tim's work and he actually oh, so has some I. really great spreads here that again, I mean, taken out of context, strip away the dialogue and you know, there's some really great imagery here. Like I love the, the title page 
in uh, issue 11 where, you know, everyone's clinging to Ginny Hex's truck. You know, that's yes. just that's just really fun. It's, I, I mean, I want that fun energy through this book. And I can kind of get that with the visuals that are occurring. But I mean, everything else just seems and I mean, not to say Bendis is a bad writer or anything. I mean, I I'm going to say something that might that I mean, a lot of people might agree with, but that might be kind of a a, a piping hot take here <laughs> is mm-hmm. I wonder if he should not have been the person to write this book. Not because I necessarily don't think he gets the characters, but what he's wanting to do with them isn't working with the characters that he has here. I feel like, again, Miles Morales' Spider-Man was such a good book in in his hands. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like with Bendis, it's... Bendis is the teen guy. He gets the teen speak. And on one hand, I'm like, wow, Bendis wanted to come over and do young justice. Great. He's going to bring these characters back. He's going to show everybody why they're good. I think he would have been a good pitch guy. Like young justice needs to be a thing. Let me find somebody that could be a good voice for these characters and gets and understands them. I feel like, he was looking at a poster of 1998 Young Justice and go, those characters are cool. I know who Robin is. I know who Superboy is. I know who Impulse is. I can write this book. Again, I'm not saying that he can't, but it's I'm not getting, I don't want expect it to be like 1998, and I want to get all those warm feelings that I have, but I don't necessarily hear the voices of the characters all the time. In some moments, it's there, but in other moments, I'm like, I feel it's random characters that happen to be dressed like heroes that I know. Exactly. Like what the what it is is I care about what is happening with the characters in this book because I care about those characters. But and this is going to sound like a contradiction about what I just said. My point is the only reason I care is because I like these characters. I don't actually care about what's happening to them because there's, I mean, the idea, hey, we're lost in the multiverse, we need to get back home, is a fun idea. It's just mm-hmm. a fun idea that has been stretched out to now, you know, up to this point, 14 issues. And there's barely any room to breathe. In fact, one of, one of my favorite scenes in these three issues here is that pretty much sure it's almost completely silent when Naomi is walking through her house and I then just that. sees everybody splayed around on the couch. It's like, that feels like a group that, you know, they're, they're comfortable around each other. Everybody's, you know, asleep and, you know, like you got Connor, you know, splayed out on a couch and then Tim <laughs> asleep in a chair and then Jenny kind of lounging around in her truck. But I mean, it actually feels like they're giving the characters a moment to actually be real people. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because it wasn't just like you said, Hey, we're coming up here is something that's really cool. Look at it for about five seconds while we drive by it. Like it almost feels like there's too much forward momentum here, but it doesn't even go anywhere. It just, it just speeds past a bunch of ideas, a bunch of scenes, a bunch of, 
dialogue where characters talk to each other, but they're not really talking about anything. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, I I'm only invested because I actually like the characters. I I I really have not been given a reason to care about what's going on. You hit the nail on the head exactly. I think that if Bendis had pitched and came up with the ideas for the Wonder Comics line, but handed off all the titles to somebody else, except maybe Naomi, because you know he created that character, and right. I liked that book. He got the voice right because he was able to create the voice for that character. I like how he writes Naomi and Ginny Hex here because – he created those characters so he knows how they're supposed to sound like connor has uh, isn't too bad tim is almost a non-entity here thankfully he's not the uh kind of cocky and almost hot-headed take that's uh, been prevalent for the past several years i like that but he's too milk toast to make any impression it's again not to rail on it too much but it's like his new suit in name it's just bland it's just bland nothingness there's nothing there bart is great too just because bart's you know going a million miles a minute and it's i mean i'm sure it's difficult to write characters like that but i i think that bendis writes bart just fine like the type of writing style he has fits bart but all this stuff with Star Labs and then Connor getting sent off to another world in the multiverse and, oh, hey, look, you know, eventually some other Wonder Comics heroes are going to show up. That's a fun idea. And on the surface, it intrigues me. And on the surface, I at least enjoy it enough that I don't hate any of the issues here. But there's really not much substance here to grasp onto and i wish there was more of it out of this book yeah and like you said that's 14 issues we're we're what two years now essentially into this book going monthly here because this wasn't a bi-monthly book so no it, it, it was it was a monthly book yeah so i mean we're we're a little over a year into oh, the sorry book. Yeah, a little over a year. I can't do math. But but even even still, I mean, he, Connor's sent back into the multiverse before we even hit one year of this title. <laughs> so, like, this whole thing starts with Connor explaining, like, where's Connor Kent been in the New 52 and Rebirth and all that stuff? To find out, in as far as Connor's concerned, he was flying over Star Labs, lands there, gets zapped to gem world fast forward to 2020 he spends all this time gets out isn't on earth a full 24 hours and is zapped right back out again yeah i mean that exactly i mean they they are they get home they rest and then within seven or eight pages connor's gone again it's not even a like half of an issue that he's he's back <laughs> home. It's just frustrating. Which, if there had been f- even like three or four issues between then coming back and this happening, it probably would have landed a lot better. Yeah. But instead, it's like, hey, we're back. Oh, just kidding, we're not. That's that's my main problem. I will say that the issues thirteen and fourteen, I did enjoy more than 
10, 11, and 12 for a couple of different reasons. Uh, like, like with um, issue 10 with the uh, Ginny's backstory. It's like at this point, it's like I just want to find out what it was so we can get over it and move on to something else. That's what it is. Like the mystery doesn't hold any sort of intrigue for me anymore. Yeah. And it's it's kind of more of the same wrapped in a in another issue. I was just flipping through 12 while you were talking, not because I'm rude or anything like that. No, no, no. I've, I've been flipping through just to find other talking points. Too. <laughs> but uh, it's – there are conversations that are had about, wow, we're going to the Holland Justice. We're doing this thing. And Tim's still trying to talk to Stephanie. And Naomi's like, hey, I've only – she's doing something for the first time. This is only the right. second time I can do this. And then you have the explanation of the invisible jet coming in. And I feel like there's half a dozen panels that are that are talking about that. And that they're trying to – like funny little moments of Bart knowing all the codes inside of the – Justice League was kind of funny, but it's it's just adverting a little hiccup before I feel like Bendis is going, so we're still sitting on top of the truck. We're still waiting for the next thing to happen. Oh, here comes the jet. Oh, here comes a Dial H for heroes. And then you have – I wish the panel number was here. It is – Right after the Dial H gets in, it's the one, two, three, four, five, five panels, the same shot going across with just heads being turned of just this conversation of multiple people going back and forth about Star Labs and who Connor is and, you know, why, why they need to go save him. I was like, I, that, those series of panels almost encapsulates everything that is happening in the book. Yeah, it's it's an, a lot of uh, telling, again, with Tim's visual style and uh, artistic style. There's a lot of showing in in the uh, the action and in uh, the different scenes that are going on and everything. Like you said, some great visual gags with, you know, Bart uh, coming in and, you know, rushing around everywhere to, um, what's the word? The recruit, you know, the yeah. um, people and everything. And I like knowing those all these scenes. Codes. Yeah. And I mean, it's fun and everything. So there's a lot of showing rather than telling, but there's a lot of telling about telling. what's going on. Yeah. It's, and I mean, it's the, the problem too, is the really fun ideas the really good ideas aren't the ones that get to play out very long. Like, uh, like with, uh, you know, what's in, you know, Jenny's box, you know, we find out that it's a bunch of artifacts of, uh, different DC characters. Like you've got, uh, you know, some ray guns and you have one of the old H dials and you have the mm-hmm. Adams belt and, you know, a bunch of other items here that, you know, could be put to good use and would have a lot of great storytelling potential, especially it's like, Hey, let's give, uh, you know, the somewhat reckless teenagers who are still learning to how to be a team again. Let's give them, you know, a bunch of magic items and see what's going on. Well, Jenny uses one of them to get really big for, you know, a page and then, you know, nothing, nothing since then, you know, we haven't really (laughs) seen anything else. So, it's like the good ideas are being forgotten in favor of, you know, things that just aren't that interesting. Yeah. I I think that's where where I'm on it. It's again, I'm going to peat and repeat sitting on a fence. Uh 
there are a lot of panels that I loved looking at, and on the second reread, going, "Oh, that's a really cool shot." Tim's art is just—I I think it's the art that the book needs. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of facial expressions. He draws the characters pretty much right on point. Mm-hmm. I just wish the dialogue and the story was just as gripping as what the art was. And I've said it before on some different shows that bad art on really good storytelling can make the book seem just a very dull book, but Mm -hmm. great art with poor storytelling can make the book seem better than it actually is. And this is one of those cases where it's really good art. And once you start reading the book, it, the art's not helping emphasize like, no, no, this, this is actually a decent book. You know, look at the art. I'm spending more time going, what are we doing in these same five panels over and over and over again? Yeah. And, um, what, what does help and kind of tease up for the next couple of issues that again, I liked more still a lot of the frustrations with the, the book are, are definitely still there. What helps is even though I'm not excited about Connor being lost in the multiverse again, a, it does help that he's on a, I mean, I'm not remarkably familiar with warlord, but I mean enough to, you know, know what his whole deal is, but it's also a much more interesting environment to put Connor in than it was Gemworld. And that's not to say that Gemworld wasn't necessarily interesting. It's just that, you know, how they got to Gemworld and left Gemworld, it wasn't for the purposes of showing us how Connor would react in that environment. Getting him to a, you know, sword and sorcery kind of Dungeons and Dragons realized kind of world with Warlord, it's different enough from the type of environment that Connor's in that in isolation, like out of context with what how he got there, it's actually pretty interesting. Especially when he gets to punch a dinosaur in the face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even his uh, conversations with Warlord are actually, you know, I mean, it's very, it's very verbose and very dialogue heavy and very wordy, but they have a good back and forth. Like, I like when he says, you know, I hate punching animals. It's like punching a puppy. And Warlord's like, uh, not here it is. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's some fun little, you know, life there that I wish was present elsewhere, which is, I mean, again, weird because what Bendis you know, became known for, especially in over with Marvel was his dialogue and getting like pinning down voices for characters and writing characters on teams. And other than, you know, kind of flashes here and there, I'm not really seeing that on this book or any of his other DC books, but you know, we'll <laughs> cross at least one of those bridges when we get to it. So, I mean, it's just frustrating that it's like, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and have enjoyed some of the stuff that he's done with DC. It just seems an awful lot like to spoil one of my thoughts on the action comics issues. It's the same thing with John Romita Jr. Style. I feel like mm. his visual style 
works better for Marvel characters. I'm also wondering if Bendis's writing style works better for Marvel characters too. Like it's just something about it fits that universe more than it does DC characters. I haven't read enough of Bendis's Marvel work to really be able to say that, but uh, I, I mean, I'm almost curious as if, you know, it's just kind of a fitting a square peg in a round hole here, hoping it'll work because it works somewhere else, but it's, it's just not paying off the way they want it to. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice Podcast. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We are also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ELYJ Pod. You can email under the show at ELYJ Podcast at yahoo.com and we will read your comments on the air. If you listen to the show on iTunes, leave a review there. That will help spread the word of the show, and we will read your review as well. Now, if your mode has been crashed, or if you feel a bit whelmed by the show, no infringement was intended. All music and sound clips belong to their respective copyright holders. These are just to illustrate and enhance your listening experience. No coinage is, was, or will be made by this show. Our wife said so. All characters discussed on the show belong to DC Comics. The opinions on this show belong to the two chatterboxes alone. Not that anyone else does, but if you want your voice heard, let us know why everyone loves Young, young Justice. Justice.